0: Good afternoon, and thank you so much for tuning in to us here at godsredeemed.org. This website is designed to help spiritually those who are in need of help, which would be all of us. We are all in need of the blessed power of Jesus Christ and the salvation that comes through him. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your interest in the work that we are doing here at the Northfield Boulevard Church of Christ. I invite you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at four what we're going to call anchor passages today. We're going to anchor our study in four places starting in Romans chapter 6 as we talk about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and then the crucifixion of each of us as well because crucifixion we are going to argue today is a really good thing you may say wait a minute now crucifixion was an ugly thing it was a violent thing and that's true it was it was something that was sad and despicable both in terms of the nature of death that it precipitated And also because Jesus had to die a horrible death that he did not deserve. For he was truly the only perfect man who ever lived. So you might ask, what's so good about it? What makes crucifixion such a really good thing? One could approach this particular study by highlighting the benefit of Jesus' sacrifice. And there's something to be said for that that because Jesus died, you and I have the opportunity to live again. Or one could highlight the fact that fundamental to our faith in Jesus Christ and the faith that we have in his word is the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross some 2,000 years ago. I want to take our study in a slightly different direction today. And what I would like to do is to look at these four passages one in Romans, three in Galatians, which talk about crucifixion in a radically different way in terms of the way that you and I are to live and the way that you and I are to die, teaching us about the necessity of living for Jesus Christ today. I want to start in Romans chapter 6 as we look at these four anchor passages. And I want us to read in chapter 6 of the book of Romans. And I want us to actually start in verse 4. You're likely familiar with verse 4 because this is a verse that we use quite often when we talk about the importance and the essentialness of baptism. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death that we should no longer be slaves of sin. That's a powerful verse, Romans 6, verse 6. We're going to come back and make two or three observations about that text in just a moment or two. But before we do so, let's look at our other three passages, all which transpire in the New Testament book of Galatians, written, of course, by the Apostle Paul. In Galatians chapter 2, in verse 20, There, the apostle says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This, of course, follows the statement that was made by Paul, where he said in verse 19, I, through the law, died to the law so that I might live to God. And then turn over a page or two in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5 and read with me, if you would, in verse 24. Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. we'll come back and talk about that passage in a moment or two. And then our fourth and final anchor passage is in Galatians chapter 6 in verse 14. Go back to verse 13 where the apostle says, For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. It's evident to me that the Holy Spirit, that God through his message in what we call and what we read in the Bible, wanted us to get the point about crucifixion by using such a strong picture to highlight our need to be crucifiers ourselves. What I want us to do in this study today is to explore seven truths about the importance of personal crucifixion and why it's such a really good thing. Truth number one is that Christ's sacrifice is the foundation of faith. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where we read just a minute or two ago, Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, But Christ lives in me. There in Galatians 2 verse 20, Paul makes a straightforward declaration. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. We'll come back and talk about the phrase with Christ. But Paul's life is now one of faith. He says, I am one who walks by faith and not by sight. As referenced in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7. This was and is possible for two key reasons. Let me suggest to you that it's very simple. It starts with the fact that Jesus loved me and Jesus loved you, and then it ends with the fact that Jesus gave himself for you and gave himself for me. You and I are blessed immensely as we sing. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And we are privileged that he died that you and I could live. Christ's sacrifice, his crucifixion on the cross, is the foundation of our faith, which is why I have been crucified with Christ. Truth number two is that change is necessary. In fact, change is mandatory. Becoming a child of God requires a change in the way that we think and a change in the way that we act, a change in the way that we talk, a change in the way that we reference everything about us. It's a change, it's a renewal, and as John chapter 3 talks about, it is a rebirth. As Nicodemus Was want to learn in John chapter 3. Paul graphically describes this in Romans chapter 6 verse 6 when he says, quote, the old man was crucified. What does it mean that the old man was crucified? What happens when a crucifixion happens? And again, we started with talking about the violent nature of crucifixion. The objective of a crucifixion process is not only to promote suffering, over the course of five or six or maybe even seven days, historians would tell us. But it's also to cause death. It's an instrument of death. Just as an electric chair or lethal injection might be used to take away the life of a convicted criminal, the cross was used to destroy men who were slaves, who were not citizens, and those who were the vilest of the vile, which makes us wonder why Jesus was the one who went to the cross because he was perfect in all ways. But, of course, he laid down his life, as we'll talk about in just a moment. But the fact is, is the old man was crucified. You and I are to kill or put off the old man. Colossians chapter 2 is one of those passages that comes to mind. In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body, the sins of flesh, by the circumcision of Christ. You and I are to destroy the old man. The reason we are to do this is clear in that we are to do away with the body of of sin the old man and the body of sin is to be destroyed because change is mandatory because if we are not slaves to God as illustrated in Romans chapter 6 then we are slaves of Satan and slaves of sin that brings us to truth number three and that is a brand new perspective You know, a perspective is the idea of seeing something in a way, and when it's a new perspective, a new way of seeing things. You get a new perspective when you put on 3D glasses. You get a new perspective when you put on prescription glasses that allow you to see more clearly. Being a child of God requires us to think and to see like God and to wear the lenses with which he provides for us. We are, after all, trying to become more like our Father in heaven and look more like him, talk more like him, act more like him, walk more like him. Paul describes two aspects of this here in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14 in one of those anchor passages that we're using. He says, first, the world is crucified to me. What happens during a crucifixion? What did we say happens? Well, there's a lot of suffering. Uh, There's a lot of ugliness, but the end result of the crucifixion is death. And so the world is dead to me. And then Paul goes on to say that I am crucified to the world. Well, what happens when a person is crucified? Again, he's going to die. I am dead to the world. So Paul says the world is dead to me and I am dead to the world. And the fact of the matter is, is when we are dead to the world, we understand that we are no longer associated with the world. And this brings us to the practical side of things. Consider, if you would, how practically valuable these two reminders are to us on a daily basis as we go about living our lives in service to God. And we say, I'm dead to the world and the world is dead to me. Paul says those two fundamental things define who he is as an individual, and he uses the crucifixion as the motif to better understand and to get us to understand that concept so forcibly. That brings us to truth number four in our list of seven, and that is crucifixion is a voluntary sacrifice. No one is forced to become a Christian. You know, we do not drag anyone out of the pew as much as we might like and say, we're going to force you to become a Christian. That's not the way it works. We are not forced to become saints. Rather, it is our choice. Notice, if you would, back in Romans chapter 6 where we began and where we go back to yet again, that Paul says that we are crucified with him and so my question would be about that particular subject what was the nature of that crucifixion and the answer is found in John chapter 10 beginning in verse 17 and I referenced this and said we'd come back to it and here we are in John chapter 10 and verse 17 therefore my father loves me Because I lay down my life that I may take it again, no one, and when Jesus says no one, he means no one, takes it from me. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. You know, I'm convinced that when they finally nailed Jesus to the cross, that the religious leaders who were so offended by Jesus in the first century were high-fiving and saying, we finally got him. We've been seeking him for three and a half years to destroy him, and now we have the opportunity to put him to death. Except Jesus says, not so fast. I lay down my life for you all, even for the very people who are guilty of putting me on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And so Jesus was crucified voluntarily. And we must remember that we too are willing participants in the process of salvation and in serving him to receive that necessary salvation because it is our voluntary service. By the way, it's an honor to be compared with Jesus it's an honor to have that relationship with him where he says, you've been crucified with me. What a wonderful thing that we can share something with Jesus, including something as violent as the crucifixion itself. Brings us to our fifth observation this afternoon, and that is we are to avoid the walking dead. Now, it seems to me that every month there is a new TV show or some sort of a meme or something that is available about the walking dead or the apocalypse of the zombies. And what would happen in certain, such an event? Well, consider if you would Romans chapter six, one last time, where it says, The body of sin was done away with. You see, the body must be destroyed the body must be given away and destroyed as the King James Version says. The destruction or death is what paved the way for the burial, as we read in Romans chapter 6 verse 4. You see, we do not bury people who are alive. We bury people who are dead. And in fact, in cultures going back a couple hundred years to 300 years ago and more, people were so afraid of dying and not being dead all the way, if that makes sense, and being buried alive that they would tie a a string to the dead person's or perceivably dead person's hand, attach it to a bell outside of the grave so that if you wake up, I'm not dead, I'm still alive, but I'm in a coffin six feet under. You can ring the bell and thus be saved by the bell. There's stories of even famous individuals like George Washington who said, after I die, wait to bury me three or four days to make sure that I'm really dead. You see, these days we know when a person is really dead versus really alive. But back then, there was a concern over burying a person who was still alive. And what a horrible thing to think about. So we understand that concept that we only bury dead individuals. And so for us to live again, we have to completely, King James Version, destroy the old man so that we can live that new life That is talked about in John chapter 3 when he says you are to be born again and to live this new life in service to Jesus the Christ, in service to me, Jesus says. Our crucifixion is to be a permanent destruction of ourselves and the old man. Some would say, well, that's really challenging. Absolutely. Instead, what we want to do is to take the old man and to keep him on life support, hold on to him in the event that we might be able to go back and access him and become familiar with him. But that's not the way it works. We are to destroy the old way of living, which brings us to this, that not only must we destroy the old man and the old ways of life, but we should replace it with something that is better and something that is bigger. I have long advocated and tried to teach that Christianity is all about getting rid of either something or some things and replacing it with something big. Bad habits don't just go away. They have to be done away with and then replaced with good habits. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, one of those four anchor passages that we're using this afternoon, the apostle identifies three things that we are to, quote, put to death. What are they? It is the flesh, the passions, and the desires. In short, selfishness. Get rid of anything that has to do with what we are concerned with for ourselves in this life and replace it with something that is better and that is focused on God. But Paul also says that what we need to do is get rid of the flesh, get rid of the passions, get rid of the desires, and replace them with spiritual things. You see, if you go back to Galatians chapter 5 where we read from a little while ago, We go back there yet one more time, but in Galatians chapter 5, if you go back to verse 22, he begins to list the nine things, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those things are are what we replace after we get rid of all the ugliness of verses 19, 20, and 21. The envy, the murderers, the fornications, the adultery, the uncleanness, and the hatred. Get rid of all of that ugliness and then replace it. In fact, verse 22 starts with a key word in Bible study, and that is the word but. But instead, the fruit of the Spirit is what you focus on. Replace after you've put to death. This proves to me, among other things, that crucifixion is not really an event, but it really is a process. It's a daily process of putting to death the old man and giving life to the new man in Jesus Christ. Because the fearful thing is, and the thing that is evidenced in the lives of so many around us, is that if we don't replace our old selves With God's new and better things, Satan will work to fill it up for us. And he'll fill it with ugly stuff, with evil stuff, and with stuff that is of this world that we do not want to be associated with. Well, the seventh and the final truth is that the crucifixion is all about Jesus Christ. If we were to sum it all up, being a believer is allowing Jesus Christ to completely Rule in our lives. He's the boss. He's the captain of the ship. He's the coach. He's the one that we listen to and that we follow. Go back to Galatians 2 one time. In Galatians 2 and verse 20, one of those passages that we use this afternoon, he says two things. Number one, I no longer live. I'm dead. The old man is dead. But Christ, as we sometimes sing, liveth in me christ liveth in me christ liveth in me yes indeed what a wonderful thought this is the selfless example that was set perfectly well by our savior as illustrated in one of my favorite passages in philippians 2 it's a favorite of mine not because i have mastered it but because it's something that we are continuing to work on on a daily basis but in chapter 2, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. That is not just a description of the way that Jesus lived. That is a description of the way that you and I are to live when we put to death the old man. We are crucified with Jesus And it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In every aspect of our lives, it has to be all about Jesus Christ. Which brings us back to where we started. And that is crucifixion is indeed an ugly picture. When we think about the crucifixion of Jesus, it was a graphic picture But it was a necessary picture. It's graphic in the way that he had to die and that he chose to lay down his life. But it's necessary because you and I get to live as a result of that sacrifice which is perfect as to why Paul chose as one of his favorite motifs three times in Galatians, one time in Romans 6. And he says, you've got to crucify, 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 crucify yourself. Four different times Paul says that. You've got to crucify the old man and get rid of it so as to live a new way in service to God. So we are encouraging you who are watching today and those of us who are speaking... That we have to crucify the old ways and the old men and the old women and give way to a new life. That's something that we would be more than happy to help you with. It may mean you becoming a Christian yet this afternoon or this evening. It may mean that you need to be baptized because that's what is taught in Mark 16, verse 16. And we'd be happy based on your repentance your confession of faith in Jesus the Christ to baptize you for the forgiveness of sins. What a wonderful way to start this week. If, as a child of God, you're not living correctly and you would like to make some sort of a change, we would welcome the opportunity to pray with you. Maybe pray specifically that you can crucify that old man once and for all and live your life for Jesus the Christ. We would welcome that opportunity. If we can help you, please let us know. Thank you so much for watching, for being a part of the work that we're trying to do here at Northfield Boulevard, and may all glory be to Christ our Savior and to the Father in heaven.